Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Hey, welcome to Who's Number One, the podcast. This will be our last episode of the year, recapping Nogi Worlds before we take a little break for the holidays. With me here in Austin in the studio, Ryan Smith, What's up, uh, guys? filmmaker extraordinaire, milk connoisseur, coming to us live from Costa Mesa, California, <laughs> Chase Smith, Ernest Chasey Smith. Uh, he's relocated to Costa Mesa. He's actually an official part of the AOJ athlete program now. So, You're starting rumors, Michael. You're starting rumors. I don't like it. And from the main streets of Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, the Canadian gangster, the people's commentator, Ricardo Amandolia. Oh, I like that. All right, so thanks. a lot of stuff happened at Nogi Worlds. We were in Anaheim. I was just there for a week. I got back in the middle of the night. Uh, a lot of big matches and stuff. So let's start our way. At, let's start down at the color belts, at the brown belts, and work our way up. And uh, so the the women's absolute. You covered this one, right? Mm-hmm. You were covering it. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Clay just stomped everybody. Really tore it up. Tapped Maggie, tapped a bunch of other good girls. And uh, yeah, great performance. How many submissions did she have? Do you remember? Uh, Liz Clay? Yeah. She went eight for eight, man. Eight for eight. Eight out of eight, savage. gentlemen. I didn't, get to, I didn't get to follow this one much. I think I was actually out of the event working on something else that time. Chase, were you around for that one? Man, I, I was popping in and out. You know, Liz Clay is obviously one of the, the top athletes to keep an eye on it in the women's ranks. And uh, her matches were short, man. I just remember I'd, I'd look over, it'd be a minute and a half in, and she'd be walking off the mat. Um, but I do know she had a variety of submissions. She's very, very aggressive. Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest wins for her was probably the, the Maggie Grindotti finish there. That's Oh, here we have it right in front of us. Look at that synergy we had this morning, gentlemen. This is where um, she, she guillotines her, right? This, well, I think it's actually ahead a little bit. In any case, I believe this is the uh, the quarterfinal of the absolute, relatively early in the bracket. And uh, Maggie, of course, a world champion in her weight category, hoping to secure double gold for uh, I think her third time as she's done that feat. Here, as there's a the guillotine. Yeah. Ricardo, look at this. Brown Ricardo, belt. look at this guillotine. Kick that back a little bit, Ryan. Yeah. Look at wait. Let's see that again. Check out this. Uh. uh... Far. Internet will cooperate. Well, right. you know, my video is, I don't think my video is in sync with you guys, but what I will say is Elizabeth Clay is, you know, we talk about stars in the making. She's a star in the making. Uh, Maggie's just a beast. And for her, I was shocked to hear that she submitted her. You guys told me it was with a guillotine from the butterfly guard. It's amazing. Um, I definitely recommend you guys at home. Take a look at Elizabeth Clay's match in the West coast trials. I think it was 2017. Um, unfortunately, she didn't. And she didn't compete in ADCC World Championships in 2017, but she won the trials, and she may have been one of the youngest athletes to ever win the trials and punch a ticket to ADCC. Hopefully, we get to see her in the next ADCC World Championship. She is just a young phenom, and you know, congrats to her for what was it eight submissions she had? Eight, just eight an for eight. awesome yeah. run. I think we'll see yeah. probably eight both of them. Eight. I yeah. think both of them are uh, you know big part of the future of the women's division in ADCC. I mean. Gabby Garcia can't run that division forever, right? I mean, I think Liz Clay and Maggie are going to be two of the girls that are going to step in there and uh, try and fill that void when Gabby leaves. How old is Liz? She's like 19, right? She's really Pretty young. Pretty yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. then. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, one thing I want to point out before I move on from Liz Clay is uh, how did an interview with her after she won? And, you know, it, it's been an up-and-down year for Liz. She uh, didn't have great results all year long, but apparently had some, some injuries that she was struggling with. You know, uh, was really going through some some issues there, but got her brown belt just a month before Nogi World. She was still a purple wow. belt in, in October, and wow. uh, for her to come out, finish the year strong with her, with her new rank, and and finish all of her opponents, you know, really says something about her. So, looking forward to what see what Liz Clay's, 
Liz Clay does next year in uh, yeah. 2020. Uh, and, and shout, shout out to Anderson Muniz. guys. Anderson Muniz watching yeah, in the well, comments right now. Said Os. Big Os, Os to you. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want to give a, a, a little plug here. If, if you're a, a jiu-jitsu, you know, professional jiu-jitsu promoter, you should be looking at Elizabeth Clay as, as the next signing for your event. She has all the makings of a superstar from her looks, from her techniques, from her just her presence. Elizabeth Clay, next big thing. I know I said this already five minutes ago, but guys, get sign her now. More Elizabeth Clay in pro jiu-jitsu. On to the next subject, Michael Sears. All right, something I forgot to say at the beginning. Who's number one in the show is coming. <laughs> uh, February 8th, we're still working on the Black Belt Super Fights. A big announcement this week was uh, obviously Roberto Jimenez, the guy we were just about to talk about, got, got promoted to Black Belt. So mm-hmm. Conor D'Angelo stepped in to take the Eric Muniz fight. So that's going to be a big one. And also rankings. Nice. Uh, the rankings are a mess right now. My life's a total mess. I get, Everybody got promoted to Black Belt uh, in the last week. So I I have a whole bunch of promotions to, to update and everything. But speaking of promotions, let's move on to Roberto Jimenez. That was a, a big story of Brown Belt. He lost in his weight class, remember. He lost to Pedro Mourinho, uh, their rubber match. A, cl- a crazy match, if you guys can go back and watch it. He lost uh, 2-0, but there was, I think, 11 advantages between the two of them. So they were all over the place. But then he comes back and taps Roosevelt. Who's a beast. Did he tap his way through the open class? Oh, man. Yeah. I'll have to go back and watch that. He taps Roosevelt know? just like he did at Nogi Pans. Wins wins the event, gets his black belt. So now we're going to have to uh, find him a black belt fight for the event because he's already he's scheduled to be there. And everything. Look at this. I mean, look this, at this, that. Is, this is just like uh, JT Torres and Wagner, the back take. Off of the Kimura trap, he sneaks around to the back. Uh, yeah, Chase. that was a thing of beauty. I do believe Roberto may have subbed his way through the absolute. Uh, it was definitely his last three matches. I don't know if he had four. Was this the final? Um, was Roosevelt the final? Yeah, it was. Roosevelt was the final. Oh, okay. Who else did he get in the open class? you remember? A couple guys I didn't recognize, actually. Um, Pedro yeah. Mourinho was out, I think, with an injury. The guy who beat him in his weight did not do it. That's did right. Did he go against Giancarlo? Was that Roosevelt? That was Roosevelt. Roosevelt faced Giancarlo in the other semifinal. Roosevelt tapped Giancarlo, and he tapped Mason Fowler in the weight class. Roosevelt had a hell of a day besides the oh, last yeah, that, of that knee bar over Mason Fowler happened early. I almost forgot about that, but that was wild. It was like two minutes into the match. Roosevelt is an absolute monster, man. That dude is huge. He's like 6'4", but Enormous. body, you know, muscle proportionate, just jacked. And um, I definitely see him doing big things in the future as well. Yeah, Ricardo, you catch any of this brown belt absolute? I know it was pretty late yeah, when, where you yeah, were I at. Did. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Roberto is just – it, it, it's funny because it's it's happens this way sometimes with Roberto. He might lose in his division, and then he shines in the absolute. And um, you know, it matches with Pedro Marino. He had one at Third Coast Grappling, and I know there's a little bit of online rivalry. Uh, you know, with those two, you know, a little little heat there. So it'll be interesting to see if they two face off again. I got a question for you guys. There was a meme that went viral this weekend of Pedro Marino with like this crazy face doing the front <laughs> headlock. Was that on Roberto or who was that? Yeah, that was that Roberto. was from the Roberto match. That was that was from like footage and like at, yeah, at the final seconds of the mat, he just decided to make this face, man. It's like it's going crazy on Instagram right now. Well, Pedro's one What's of these that? guys. He, Pedro's got this dangerous guillotine that's a real problem, right? Like anybody who's got that thing, like that they're really dangerous. It really makes you respect him. Like you saw when he got up two zero on Roberto. Roberto had to be really careful on his sh- on his shots to try and get the takedown because I mean that guillotine is always there for Pedro. Mm-hmm. 
I was just saying yeah, the, uh, uh, the, the screen grab of, of that Pedro Mourinho match with Roberto reminds me, Michael, you can tell me this guy's name correctly. That was that famous, terrifying Russian wrestler, uh, Alexander, Alexander Karolov. Yeah. When he was gut wrenching the guy. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's seen that photo. It's the same face, dude. It is the same exact face. And I'd also like to point out for his part, Pedro Mourinho, uh, there's a little bit of controversy after the match, but Pedro went on our Instagram and congratulated Roberto on his absolute title, said, great job, uh, excited for your future. So I thought that was a really classy move from Pedro because, you know, it would be easy to kind of like buy into the heat and, uh, you know, maybe create some controversy on his own. But he just said, no, nah, nice job, and uh, looking forward to seeing you again in the future. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's crazy that there's even heat there. They're like two of the <laughs> nicest guys around. But <laughs> I mean, I don't think Roberto uh, sorry, cool. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt, guys, but uh... – Chase, you're getting an compliment on my watch party. Bear from Show Your Roll said your stash is fire. Ah, yes. Thank you, Bear. Bear, <laughs> uh, the man who has great taste, great style, a tastemaker in the sport, appreciates yeah, sh- the fine things in life. Shout out to Bear. I uh, I was at Show Your Roll HQ the other day with an athlete doing some stuff, and they were very, uh, very nice. They, they took care of me. It was very cool. I'm excited with stuff coming out of there. Chase, yeah, so what's going on with the mustache? I thought it was like a Movember type of thing. You're just going to keep it going, huh? Dude, I'm rocking it. You should have seen. I had more comments on the mustache than anything uh, at Nogi Worlds. People kept talking to me. One guy looked at me. I, I swear to God, it's one of the greatest moments of, of my life. He looks at me and goes, I love you. Can I have a photo with you? And it's like, <laughs> all <Yeah>. right. <laughs> something, something I uh, noticed at Nogi Worlds. I didn't realize so many people watched this thing. I would have people about to warm up, getting ready to uh, go on the mat, and uh, like brown belts or purple belts, and they would come up and start talking to me about the Who's Number One show. So there's a lot of people out there, and a lot of athletes. Several black belts came up to me upset that I did not pick them to to win Nogi Worlds on this show. Not really upset, but yeah, a lot of more people are watching than I thought. A lot of big name athletes. And then, uh, so let's move on to the black belts, right? Very first one. A big a big story there was uh, debut of Talos and Suarez at black belt. Mm-hmm. He looked about. What we thought, I mean, he stomped his way to the uh, final. He uh, won his first match by RNC, won his second match by RNC. The guy he he end, ended up, we thought he was going to meet Woodman's in the uh, Christian in the semi, but Christian got DQ'd playing playing with fire with that saddle position. And then uh, so he taps the guy from Europe in the semis, but then he had a tough one in the final versus uh, Hajni Barbosa. Hajni Barbosa, a very underrated competitor, taking second at Worlds two years in a row. And, I, I mean, that was – the closest match I've seen Talison have in a while because he was just killing people at Purple and Brown Belt. But, yeah, I mean, four years in a row, Nogi World Champion at four different belts. I mean, what do you guys – Chase, what do you think about Talison, about his performance there, his future, all that? I mean, I was happy to see uh, Rajani push him a little bit. Like like you just mentioned there, Michael, you know, Talison had sort of wrecked the divisions, also had a fair amount of assistance from teammates throughout his career in the color belts, a lot of closing out. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see him fight the final against a very game opponent and to see him struggle a little bit. Not struggle, but, I mean, uh, work a little harder than I feel like I've seen him in a couple years. And he also came out on top and had two submissions. Um, no one, by the way, had more than two submissions in the black belt ranks. Uh, maybe I'm wrong there, but I'm pretty sure I watched all the matches. And uh, that was a top number for, uh, I think, six or seven athletes. So, Talison right there. It's nice to see a rooster weight securing some subs on their way to gold. So, uh, great performance in Towson and very excited to see what he does next. Well, would he be at Europeans, Michael? Did you hear that at all? Yeah, he said he's going to be Europeans. He's going to be tra- he's going to try nice. and grand he's going to try and do his usual Grand Slam and uh, World Pro this year, I believe. Usual Grand Slam, ah, uh, yes, right on schedule. Yeah, like five. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be four or five years in a row he did the Grand Slam, which is pretty ridiculous. What are you thinking about Talos and Ricardo? 
Dallison won Nogi Worlds in a debut at Black Belt. In the words of Nate Diaz, I ain't surprised, mother lovers. I was not shocked at all. Dallison, Somebody cut this man's beat. Mon- cut him off. He's done. <laughs> hey, I didn't swear. I said mother. I changed it up a little bit. No. Um, Talison, just just amazing athlete, amazing competitor. He's got such a great story. Um, you know, big shout out. He's a Manawara. He's from Manaus, Brazil. I'm I'm pushing for that Dagestan, the Brazilian Dagestani documentary. We got to do it, boys. Let's go to Manaus. Come on, and um, you know we'll we'll get to take a look at some of the toughest guys that not a lot of people know about. And Talison is a product of his environment, you know, and. Left Manaus at an early age, slept on the mats, did his thing at uh, Cicero Costa, moved to New York, and truly amazing story. And I'm going to say it once again, Sears, you did a great piece on Talison. We should rebanner this on the website, let everyone take a look at it. Um, you know, just hear his story, guys. Talison is a is a special athlete, and you're going to be hearing a lot more about Talison Suarez in the near future. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, something like I work a lot with these guys at the purple and brown belt level, and. Uh... Something that's a recurring theme, just like uh, with this story, is these guys sacrifice a lot. Like everybody, I was interviewing people at Atos uh, the other day, and for who's number one, and all these guys, just like Talos, and leave home 14, 15 years old, with you know nothing in their pocket, uh, and to see them, to see it finally pay off for people that I've seen go through that, like Talos, and it, it, it's really a special thing, and I'm, I'm really happy for him. I think uh, 2020 is going to have uh, big things coming for him. I think. Early January, we'll get into preview in the geese season. And one of the big questions is that roosterweight division. Who's going to be there? Does Mikey make the cut again? Does Bruno come back? You never know. Calatero, he could just jump in at any moment. So could be some really cool matchups for, for Talison coming up next mm-hmm. year. All I right. want to see Mafasini come back. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I hope they're all there. Yeah, I don't think Mikey yeah, goes yeah. to Rooster again. Mikey had to, barely made it last year. But uh, light featherweight, no surprise. Uh, Cicero Costa close out in the, uh, in the final. Uh Shout out to uh, – they didn't close out the semifinal. Hiago George and Junior actually fought the semifinal. That was pretty cool. But, I mean, Joao Miao wins, like, his 15th Nogi Worlds title. Uh, actually, I think no, Hiago no, – he, he second. He took yeah, second. Hiago, yeah, yeah, Hiago George was actually the champion. Yeah, Hiago George, I, I believe – Hiago George is really an, an overlooked athlete because – just because of the team he's on, sort of. Uh, he, he's won so much stuff, but just because he's got Joao and Paulo sort of taking the, the shine in that division from Cicero – he doesn't get talked about much, but I believe this was his officially his first black belt world title. I think that's so, correct. He's yeah. won he's won a couple of Grand Slams, um, maybe even World Pro. I can't remember that, but yeah, I he's do won know a ton for of sure. Stuff. He's really good. Grand Slam, yeah. So yeah, there wasn't much to talk about there. It's just you know, a couple matches close out, but featherweight. Uh, Ricardo, another all Manaus. Uh, actually, this was two Manaus guys in the final there: Gabriel Souza and uh, Alex Adre. Alex Adre gets the black belt world title. I was really happy for him. Uh, Ricardo, you catch that featherweight final at all? Saw a little bit of it, right? He's a Novo Niao kid, right? Uh, yeah, Fejon. Yeah, uh, Club Fejon. And then yeah. uh, Super close match, right? Super Did tough. it go to decision, or was it one advantage on the finish there? I think it was decision. Yeah, I believe it was a decision. But, uh, yeah. yeah, those guys are both really tough. Two of the up-and-comers. They actually use their uh, light featherweights in the gi. But uh, they both... I mean, Featherweight was one of the bigger black belt brackets. They both fought their way through there. Had some tough matches. But, I mean, one of the one of the black belt divisions that I was really uh, excited about was Johnny Thomas' run. Oh, yeah. John, Johnny Thomas' run was off the chain, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Chase, what do you think about Johnny Thomas going through? And, and, I mean, this is a guy, 
I interviewed him on day one when he qualified for day two. He said he had never even made it to day two before. And he goes oh, and he man, wins I, his title. Super happy for Johnny. You know, he, he's always putting in the work. You see him in all the tournaments, big and small. And for him to really overcome a lot of adversity uh, on his way to win the title was fantastic. And there were some really close matches. You know, his semifinal with uh, Fabio Colloy was really, really, really close as well. Came came down to actually a penalty point uh, as Johnny was chasing Colloy out of bounds. That really that, that pushed Johnny into the lead there. But this moment here we're watching now in the yeah. final was such hey, a gutsy move, you know? <laughs> yeah. Rolling, he was up on uh, advantages with only yeah. 20 seconds left. He could have probably cruised on top, but instead dives for a rolling back take, secures the mount. Uh, yeah. You know, that's a ballsy move. And, and what a way to win your title, man. Like, So I was super pumped. He's bleeding everywhere. You know, probably the best gold medal photo we've ever going to get. So... Shout yeah. out to Johnny Tama. That was awesome. If he just let, yeah, anybody else is probably in that position is just going to take a front headlock and ride out those last 15 seconds. But it, not Johnny Tama. He's going to roll for the twister hook to the back take and then, and then mount Igor Rodriguez. <laughs> Very tough competition. But, uh, yeah, uh, Ricardo, what do you think about this? I mean, Johnny's a guy who's been around a lot. He, he does everything. He's he's never been able to get over that hump and get to this level, though. But, I mean, to win Nogi Worlds is big for him, huh? It's big for him, and now it's time for an Uncle Ricky story. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, back at, when he was a young blue belt, I saw this young Ecuadorian athlete at the Worlds named Sinistro, and I introduced him and kind of let him, you know, Bear from Show Roll know him and, you know, got his attention and stuff, and, you know, Johnny Tama kind of came there later. And saw first impression of Johnny Tama was, man, this kid is – so exciting goes for broke and you know and we saw that from blue purple brown he just kept fighting and grinding and winning and you know Howell did an interview with him or whoever did an interview with him after this gold medal specifically and you see him crying and you see the emotion and he's saying like listen i left everything to move to the united states and i wanted this so bad but here's here's another part twist of the story why that was special for me was at the Worlds this year, um, he made it to the quarters or semifinals, and he was supposed to fight Lucas. And that was really, really a hard decision for him to bow out to Lucas because he was like, man, like, I respect Lucas, and I have to do this because of seniority, and, you know, everyone at Alliance is telling me to do this, but I really want this gold medal. So for me, I was in the stands talking to him about this with some other people, and we're like, man, like, we can't tell you what to do, but you got to do what your team tells you and what you think is best. So when you see him crying and you see the emotion that, you know, he went through after winning this, it just makes it so much more special for me. So, man, I'm so happy for Johnny. Finally got that world championship title. The kid's a beast. He's a true submission hunter. He's somebody that you want to watch do jiu-jitsu and compete in jiu-jitsu. From the opening seconds of the match, he does like a Superman dive Double leg attempt on Igor Rodriguez. So, yeah, just, oh, yeah that's I'm just incredible. I'm overfilled with emotion here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like you're talking about uh, him having to close out at Worlds. He had to do the same thing at Pants. Uh, I, think, I can't remember who it was with, but with another Alliance guy at Pants, he had to close out in like the eighth final, the quarterfinal. So, there, I was really feeling down for uh, Johnny earlier this year because I was like, man, this guy's basically training for nothing. He was forced to close out at the two biggest tournaments and, and he was crying both times, you know? So for him to end the year like this on a high note and get that get that world title is big for him because it was a real bummer for him to have to bow out in the eight finals or quarterfinals of Pants and Worlds. But yeah, really excited. Way, Dad, before we move on from Johnny, um, 
Definitely going to plug the Fix My Game episode we have with them. It's in the Gi, but you see a lot of really cool, super modern techniques, uh, a lot of stuff that Johnny was using, including uh, a really tricky 50-50 pass where he weaves his own arm through the leg entanglement to help start kind of like a side smash position. Uh, so anyways, if you guys haven't seen it, check out the Fix My Game with Johnny Tama. You'll probably see a banner on the site this week, but it, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. All right, middleweight. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I just want to give one shout-out. If you guys don't know, big shout out Nando Saluso. He's the guy that kind of started the whole Ecuadorian Alianza squad. You know, he went to Ecuador years ago, developed guys like Leo Itarade, his brothers, Sinistro, and Johnny Tama. So big shout out to Saluso, one of the nicest guys in jiu-jitsu, a true OG of the sport as well. Yeah, May continue. Uh, Ecuadorian uh, people really tore it up here. I mean, you had Roberto win the brown belt open class and then Johnny Tama wins black belt lightweight. So yeah, great, great showing for Ecuador. Uh, but moving on to middleweight, hell of a division, right? With the final, probably the best match of the tournament in, in my opinion. And uh, I mean, Dante is a guy, uh, a fellow Canadian. You got to feel proud for him, Ricardo. I'm sure you were doing some sort of Canada, the Canada version of the USA chant while you were watching the match. But uh yeah, Dante is a guy who he's been he's been right there for years. Twenty nineteen, uh, he's really turned it up. Had a lot of big wins. He tapped Izaki, tapped Edwin, tapped Mateus Lutz, took Lepre's back in the ADCC quarterfinals, and now he finally gets it done in Nogi Worlds after taking third two years in a row. Ricardo, how you feel about Dante's win here? Man, it's, you know, we don't train together. I don't know him outside of seeing him compete and talking to him, but I'm so proud of him. You know, it's amazing because I've, I've personally seen him compete here in Canada as a young blue and purple belt, uh, you know, seeing him compete at the highest level all over the world. And he just kept grinding and just kept, you know, sharpening his craft. You know, he went out to Ohio. He just, just something it's, it's very inspirational to see a Canadian athlete do so well. And I really think that, you know, much like many other athletes, it's all about confidence, you know, and I'm not saying he wasn't confident, but I think that after the Lucas Lepre win, you're going to see a whole other Dante Leon going into tournaments now. I think he knows, like, I'm, I'm there and I'm better than the best and I can do this. So every time Dante competes, it's going to be a scrap. You know, he had that amazing match with Hinato Canuto at the uh, Kasai Super Series back in the day. Hopefully we get to see that one again. So I, I'm a huge Dante fan. I've been singing his praises in Canada. Like I said, my fellow Canadians always give me crap because Dante doesn't train in Canada. They want to see me shine to more Canadians. But, man, he's born in Canada, so he's got my praise. Man, did you hear his that, that arm break during that match? No, I was on the other side of the uh, gym. Oh, it's you, you heard it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's on the footage. It is absolutely brutal. But, uh, yeah, yeah, some serious pops from, from uh, Jamie Canuto's arm there. But shout out to Jamie Canuto for eating it like a boss and like coming boss. back and, and like wrestling the rest class. of that match. Yeah, I mean, but he was it, using it, the arm. You know, he kept using it the rest of the match. He was using collar ties and arm drags, whatever else he's trying. So hopefully yeah. it's not so serious. And, and, uh, yeah, and also shout out to quick. both of those guys. Sorry to interrupt, but, man, they went after it. Teammates, they didn't go out there and, like, half-ass, give a, you know, WWE. They went after it. That's what we want to see. If you're going to close up with your teammate, we want to see action. Now, all the respect in the world if you decide not to, but if you're going to do it, do it. You know what I mean? We got to say back oh in Canada God. is if you're yeah. coming on, come on, Harold Howard. We want to <laughs> see yeah. more of that. To break your teammate's arm like that. No, they, they, did, uh, exactly. they did the right thing. Either, either, 
exactly either you close out or you fight don't yeah. don't fake it you know what i mean so yeah a close out would have been silly i don't like when i mean these guys don't train together dante said the last time they trained together was 2016 so i mean i don't like when people don't even train together close out but they did the right thing because imagine how much worse nogi worlds would have been if they didn't go out and have this match we yeah. would have had another close out in the final which would have made it three instead mm-hmm. these guys go on and put that put on the match of the tournament Jaime's just a straight up G. Mm-hmm. Doesn't tap to that arm lock, and then keeps fighting afterwards. He was, yeah. yeah. This this was this was a great match. The match of the tournament. I didn't think the I didn't I when I saw the final set up. I didn't think these guys were going to close out. I know how how both these guys are. These guys don't want to win by a handshake. And uh, yeah, great win for Dante. And to tell you the truth, I'm even more impressed by Jaime taking second here than I would be if they would have closed out and he took first because him stepping up, having the fight, putting on a great fight. We see right there, oh, he wanted he wanted that Jaime Canuto flying arm lock right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All little... respect to Jaime, man. But, uh, yeah, great year for Dante, man. Dante's a heavy hitter in Nogi now, man. He's such such a great year. And, He's really uh, going to stride. I feel like um, in Nogi, he knows exactly what he wants to do against any opponent. You know, He's so strong. His wrestling it really, really has improved, I feel like, this year. Uh, no one really wants to take him down either because his guard is so good. So Dante is a, a major problem for, for really anyone he's, he faces. Yeah, if I was him, I wouldn't even put the gi back on. Just keep getting that money in Nogi because he's beating some big names, man. He's got that Nogi world title now too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, right here he got the two going out of bounds with the uh, arm and guillotine. He's got a great guillotine. Uh, he's somebody that I'm thinking going to ACC 2021 is going to definitely have to be one of the favorites. Yeah, I mean, he's still somewhat yep. young. I think he's like 24 or something. Wow. But uh, all right. So up next, we had the medium heavyweight division, which was the uh, well, a, a big a big shocker here was Ronaldo Jr. going down first round. I think that caught a lot of people in, in the uh, gym off guard. Did you guys see that match? Yeah, what was that guy's name from uh, Barbosa Jiu-Jitsu? I, I, I'm spacing on it, but Marco, I watched the match. Marcos Martins from Barbosa Jiu-Jitsu. He's, no, he's another guy that uh, never had a visa. And uh, I actually met him in, in Sao Paulo working with uh, Murillo Santana when I was going to interview Murillo Santana one time. Uh, we were doing it on the street, and Murillo had a couple of his friends look out because it was like you know the middle of the night in Sao Paulo because I had a you know, $4,000 camera in my hands. And then... Uh, that guy was one of the guys who was who was like one of the lookouts for us, and then uh, <laughs> and then he he starts. Me- I didn't know his real name. He starts messaging me after I made the picks on the show, actually, telling me, "Oh, you're wrong. I'm gonna win." You know, telling me in Portuguese, "I'm gonna win." You know, I guess this was his first time coming up to America, and then I didn't see the match, but I come back into the to the gym, and he's on the medics table getting his knee iced up. He wasn't able to continue, and he's just laughing and pointing at me. He's like, I told you I was gonna win. I told you I was gonna beat him. So. It was, Big moment for him. I think he was just super happy to finally get up here and compete in the United States. And yeah, big win for him in his first, you know, international major tournament. But that was that was a shocker. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff going on. Jake Watson fought Gabriel Almeida first round. Uh, I know Jonah Tuscarina had a had a, a sweet submission over Servio Tulio. Uh, only a couple minutes into the match, the Luna brothers always tearing it up. Yeah. I believe Jonathan Gracie had to pull out of this match, or out of this bracket. Did, did he compete at the weight? I know he got tapped by Felipe Trovo and got hurt in the open class. I don't, I don't know if he did the weight class or not. He submitted one guy in his weight class, and uh, I don't know why he didn't come back the next day. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't get a All clarification right. yeah. on that. I think it was probably because of that Felipe Trovo, Trovo, uh, Trovo toehold. But uh, 
Here we got another guy, Manuel Hibamar, a guy who's always been right there, right? Right there on the edge of uh, these big tournaments. He's beat a lot of big names, but he's had, a, he's had a hard time over the years putting together that string of three or four big wins in a row, right? He'll knock out, tap Calisans or whatever, and then lose to somebody else in the next round. So Manuel Hibamar, happy for him. You know, he, he got that, that black belt world title finally. He's had a great year. He's been beating a lot of good guys in the gi. But uh, you had to go out there and get it done. Ricardo, another Manaus guy, another Manaus world champion. What's going on here? Told you they, they got something in the water down in the Amazon, you know, and Manuel Hibamar. It's always nice to see him win just because he's such a nice guy, you know. Um, every time we see him, he's always so friendly and stuff. He's so be a mosquito, super friendly off the map, but vicious on the map. And, uh, you know, big props to him. Um, student of uh, Meshapina back at Manaus originally came to the U.S., now was training with Rodrigo Pinheiro, opened up a gym with Natia de Jesus, his, his wife, who's a you know another phenom. So, uh, uh, man, I, I always like seeing Manuel Hibamar compete. Fun to watch. He's got his very complete game, beautiful guard, beautiful passing, awesome back takes. What can you say more about him? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chase, how you feel seeing Hibamar? Hibamar's uh... – one of the nicest guys in the game, right? Everybody loves oh, yeah, him. Man. Happy for him. Seeing, seeing Heba on top. Uh, Shout out to it, Chase's it, it, dad. dad just Your dad just cruised behind you. <laughs> yep, you know, I'm home for the holidays, <laughs> and uh, the family is here. In fact, the first time we ever did uh, the, the Flow Grappling Awards, we launched it from this living room where I am right now. So there's a lot of just history in my parents' living room. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> you should ask your dad how he feels about Hippomar winning a world title. Can we get him? On? Yeah, <laughs> he, he asked him. Shot. I have an answer. My my mom did say Dante looked really good, so my mom follows it very closely. She watches everything. But um, seeing Hippomar win is is awesome, man. He's always been really really friendly with us. He's a local. He's only an hour away from Flow HQ, so we kind of hang out a lot at all the tournaments. And uh, he's just like a, a good natured beast, you know. He's so friendly, like Ricardo said. But man, he's a finisher. He's had some big wins this year, and uh, to see him do it. And do it with authority was great. I mean, he took on Victor Hugo in the absolute first round. And, uh, you know, he actually was trying to take him down. Victor Hugo's an ultra heavyweight. So, uh, yeah, Hibamar's fun to watch. He's got a great style, a very aggressive jiu-jitsu. And very happy to see him take home his first black belt world title. You know, you got to talk to him and, afterwards. Uh, what, did, what did he say to you? Uh, well, I don't know. He was saying that now he's a black belt world champion like his wife. And he wants to have a kid and make another black belt world champion, I believe. That's, that's what I remember from it. But uh, pretty balling. Nice, <laughs> love that. <laughs> pretty ambitious. That's I like that. I like that. How many Manaus? So how many Manaus guys? Uh, we had roosterweight Manaus champ, featherweight Manaus champ, medium heavy Manaus champ. Uh, so I believe at least three uh, champs from Manaus out of nine at Black Belt. So that's not not bad for one city in the, in the world to take thirty three percent of the male Black Belt world champs. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to. Uh, the guy who got in the finals with them, Gabriel Meda. I like watching him compete. True submission hunter. And sometimes his style um, prohibits him from, you know, squeaking out wins because he's not a point player. He goes for submissions all the time. And the guys like Hippomar that are so tactical can, you know, tend to outscore on him. But Gabriel's a beast, man. And I saw a nice – I think he did an anaconda choke earlier on in one of his matches. Uh, really, really, really tough co- – competitor so if you see a gabriel made match be ready you're gonna see a submission on either end sometimes but always exciting to watch and then uh moving on we got uh the heavyweight division uh we had uh 
Checkmate closeout, right? Adam Wojcicki yeah. takes the title. Adam Wojcicki is the world champion. Uh, Marillo, who was a lot of our picks here, went down early to Trovo, I believe. I did not see that match. Did it, Did anybody catch that match? What happened with him? No, I was running around. I believe I believe uh, Marillo actually lost by penalty. I think it was a very, very stagnant match. Um, Trovo, I think, either took it by one advantage or by Marillo having a penalty point. But shout-out to Felipe Trovo. He had a really solid event. Um, though I don't think he – did he get third in his division? Um, he took third. Yeah, he took he took third. He uh, he also had a big win in, in the absolute as well. So shout out to that guy for coming on strong and uh, having a little bit of a breakout performance there. The other semi, uh, I didn't see this. I just uh, ran into Devante at the Cheesecake Factory in Anaheim, and he told me he got he got DQ'd in the other semifinal against uh, Jackson. Apparently, it was a very heavy collar tie situation. Jackson kind of laid one on real strong, and Devante pushed him. Is what I heard. I didn't see it, but uh, that's what Hal told me, and that he was DQ'd immediately. Um, so yeah. the IBJJF getting a bit more stringent, maybe with with those penalty calls. Um, but you know, it's unfortunate, right? Because Devante, it was a great tournament for him as well, and uh, to see him out early, you know, this guy learned to control his emotions, I guess. But disappointing all the same. Uh, yeah, uh, and they actually, actually, uh, he told me they took away his. Uh, Bronze from the absolute, unfortunately, over that too, over that DQ. Oh wow! All right, we got a question from Bear. Oh. Bear Bear wants to know why he he's asking us why do some champions in gi and ADCC not do no gi worlds? Why? He oh. wants to know, yeah. I, I well, one thing that was a big thing this this year, mm-hmm. talking to, to people around the tournament, a lot of people didn't understand the points requirement. Mm-hmm. I, I probably ran into twenty athletes, name athletes, who were like, "Oh, I wanted to do it." You know, they're they're coaching, but they just didn't have. The points requirement—they didn't understand that the the points requirement for gi and no gi is different. So if you're qualified for gi worlds, those points aren't any good. So I think next year we'll see a lot more people getting the no gi points and going out and doing it for sure. Yeah, but yeah, but but I also think there's another elephant in the room. Um, let's be honest, and I think the reason is, is because, elephant? well, eh, come on, guys, let's no, let's call it, it like it say is. It, say it, yeah. Wait, wait. Well, I'm going to tell you. It's because the Anaheim <laughs> Convention Center doesn't serve the right acai like oh, they do at the go. pyramid. So, it was the first year they tested for steroids, right? And the yeah. rumor is that uh, many guys, both present at ADCC and just athletes in general, use steroids. So, you know, it's hard to confirm such a thing, but. Uh, that was definitely, you know, in the air out there, if you will, that you thought it was going to be in town. And, you know, uh, it's another risk for some, some people that might be doing that kind of thing. So yeah, they definitely hopefully. were. I, I was doing the, the champion interviews and uh, they, they had to do it with insight of a USADA employee. Like the USADA, like I, I'm interviewing like Dante or whoever. And right off the frame of the, there's like a lady from USADA watching the interview because they once they win the once they win the match, I guess they're not allowed that lady snatches them. And you're not allowed to leave their site. You have, they have to be able to watch you from then on out. So it's pretty interesting. And if you get caught with steroids, what's the punishment? Uh, I believe it's four years now. Wow. Tiani got four, four years. years. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they did it because of like Olympic stuff. Uh, because like if you're an Olympic athlete and you get a two year ban, but what is that? You can do the next Olympics, right? So I think they they bumped it up to four years for that reason. But four year suspension is a career killer. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but uh, for the record, I actually, I actually just think it was the acai. I wasn't talking about steroids, but anyways, keep thinking. I, I don't think they had any acai there. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. You can't These nogi the guys, man. Out, These nogi guys don't get jujitsu culture. No acai. I don't even know. 
but uh, what do we got going on? All right, Back so let's go. Let's go. Super heavyweight. Okay. Okay. Trator, another... man. That's all Trator. Super heavyweight. Yeah, Trator is another guy who's had a big year, Nogi. Okay, Trator. On like a one-week notice, rose up like a G, beats uh, Luis Panza in, the, in Vegas, right? Trator's always down. If you need somebody three days from now, call Trator. He'll take the fight. So he ta- he beats Luis Panza, then it loses another one. But that was like the first time I saw him Nogi. Then he goes to Nogi Panza, beats Keenan, and wins Nogi Panza, right? Big victory for him. Goes to ADCC on like a five-day notice or something, beats three people. Takes second place to Gordon at ADCC. And now he yep. goes out, he gets the Nogi World Champion. Uh, I mean, he's probably the shortest super heavyweight of all time. He's like 5'6", competing at super heavyweight. But, man, he's got a solid game, man. Training at Marcelo's with those guys, I think he's got a, a bright future Nogi for sure. Uh, how do you guys feel about this bracket? Who, who did he even fight in the final? I can't remember right now. Elliot, Elliot Kelly. And, uh, oh, that's right. Man, yeah, yeah. I actually want to give Elliot Kelly some props where they're due as well. That guy's been around forever. It competes in both masters yeah. and adult. Uh, regular and fight to win, things like that. And he had some big wins. Elliot Kelly looked really good, and he took Trator all the way up until the 10-minute mark. Um, Trator managed to get him with an esteem lock, which the match was basically over. I think he had scored you know, maybe even something like six or eight points at that point. Um, but still, Elliot Kelly looked great. But uh, Trator, like you said, is a, an incredible competitor, one of the toughest guys with a really versatile game, actually. His yeah. inverted guard is crazy good for someone that's super heavy and like pretty thick like that dude can go up on his head and shoulders and and retain guard like nobody's business and uh i also am a big fan of his north south choke once he gets that position it's, it's game over for pretty man, much anyone i wish i had a north south choke these guys that are good with it man are just I, I just can't figure that move out i can't do it to anybody but uh the guys that are good with it is such a such a great option from side control especially in nogi mm-hmm. tour is such a great tactician right he's such a smart fighter he never puts himself out of position he's so hard to score on and uh, Elliot Kelly's, I mean, remember Elliot Kelly beat Zanji at, at Nogi Worlds, or I mean at Master Worlds a couple years ago. He's a great competitor. He beat Zanji a barrel at that tournament. And uh, what do you think? What are you thinking about your tour, uh, Ricardo? Love Trator, man. Love watching him compete. Uh, just a little beast, a little fireball. And, um, you know, training with one of the best teams in the world, Marcelo Garcia, can't go wrong. Um, he's a quiet guy. Like, he's not very outspoken on social media so not a lot of people know about him but like you said he's been grinding had wins this year it's been a huge year for him i want to see more trator man guys the real deal yeah all right we got another question from bear from show your role he's the only only fan uh sending questions in right now but uh what he wants to know he says finfo made a, a a post about how people people's facebook posts i lost but i'll be back stronger uh, <laughs> yeah, about Did you guys see it? Piece. I saw it. I, I, I saw it. And it was sum hilarious. it up. Let, me, let us let us get a belay a breakdown of this Facebook post by by Fifo. <sighs> I don't. I mean, I, listen. I'm not gonna. I don't. I gotta be careful here. Like, I don't compete. People are gonna knock me for it. So he was just. They're chopping up the car. You put it on the line before. <laughs> well, I've done it before, but. He he, he said like it was really funny. He was just like, oh, like the long Facebook post. It's like. The yeah, guy loses over the first top. round. He's like, I I lost first round to the guy that won the division. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna come back. I you know I either win or learn. Like all these cliches. You gotta know Finfo's characteristic to really appreciate it. He's a funny guy, 
And uh, yeah, it was a pretty funny post. But I've I've always yeah. thought it was funny. We'll like working these tournaments, uh, some people I think have those things like in the chamber, ready to go. Like I'll see I'll see somebody lose, and then twenty minutes later right? they have they have the photo and the dramatic Facebook, and it's like, man, you're supposed to be like broken, like crying in the hallway right now or something. Like how do you how have you already made a, a social media post about it? And I think there's a direct correlation. I found I figured this out when I was working as a photographer. The better someone it is the longer it's going to take them to message me and ask for a photo after the tournament. If you lose first round, those are the people who are like 10 minutes later, hey, can I get a photo? No, no. <laughs> like if you make it to the finals and lose, you're not you're not messaging looking for a photo right afterwards. No. Yeah, some people are all about that social media life for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bear's also asking when are we going to get a flow grappling tournament. Well, we have a flow grappling super fight event coming up in February, Bear. Hope to see you there. Mm-hmm. February 8th, Costa Mesa. All right, so one, I heard I – heard- I heard Shoyer Roll might step up and sponsor. What's up with that? Let's go. I don't. I didn't hear that. Ricardo's got some inside info, apparently. But uh, <laughs> I'll see what cool. I can do. I know some people. All cool. right, guys, listen. Hold on a sec. I got five minutes left. I want to say two things, okay? Three things, actually. Number one, Roberto Cyborg Abreu wins absolute, gets silver. Man, this guy looked, in my opinion, sharper than ever. Even though he lost in the absolute finals, he did an amazing job in his division. Really good wrestling. He's just I, – I, we're always impressed by him. Later he said he has to have open-heart surgery. It's yeah, insane yeah. what this guy is doing. I'm, like, he's he's such a character. He's such a – you know, he's got such a characteristic in the sport. Mm-hmm. And uh, huge props to him for, for doing so well. Second thing I want to say is uh, – because we didn't get to the women's division yet, and I got four minutes – Heather Raftery and Talita Allen Carr, one of the greatest matches I've seen in the female divisions in the finals. Go check that out. That is what Jiu Jitsu is all about nonstop action from start to finish. Just sweep for sweep for submission for submission attempt, takedown for takedown. Awesome match. Continue. Are you talking about the Honey Badger? <laughs> honey Badger. The yeah. one that I picked. The, honey badger the one Talita. that I picked. I actually called her Honey Badger well, on the ground. Two- I, said, I said, hey, Honey Badger, how you doing? And she just, yeah, she just kept going. She, she, she didn't question it, so I, I guess. Well, she, really she messaged me after. She's like, she's like, "What does mean, honey badger?" And then I explained <laughs> it. I'm like, you know, small, ferocious, and it's funny because the 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 if you look up the definition of a honey badger, a honey badger is a small, ferocious animal that can adapt to new environments that moves all around. That is Salida. One minute she's in Rio, one minute she's in Florida, California. She goes everywhere, and like I said. What impresses me the most, she doesn't have a big train with. She's teaching the majority of the time, and she still goes out there and kicks ass. Toledo on caller all day, the honey badger. Honey badger okay. don't care. Yeah, let's uh, – okay. <laughs> so let's move on to the next uh, – wait, Ultra. I, mean, I want to apologize to everybody that I didn't see any of these finals. You would uh, – sort of my role is, has become I interview the champs, and I usually watch the finals afterwards, but I've basically been working straight through since the tournament. I haven't, haven't had, a, had a chance to watch a lot of this stuff yet. I just got back from work at 1 a.m., but – we go to Ultra Heavy. Uh, Cyborg beat uh, Victor Hugo early, James right? Polo. Yeah, he beat him oh, in uh, his weight division. Yeah, he beat him, he beat him in like the first round or something. Mm-hmm. And then this is uh, absolute video, actually. It's on. Then he beats Pool Polo. Basically, you mm-hmm. know, beats up on Pool Polo. But okay, let's go to the, the, the real story between Cyborg, Victor Hugo was open class. Mm-hmm. They make it to the final of the open class. Everybody's thinking, you know, Cyborg beat him pretty easily earlier, right? Yeah. yeah. Everybody. Uh, it was a you... close match. No, no, no. I would not call it pretty easily. He was even down towards the end, and uh, it was a last minute, I oh, want to okay. say, 
penalty that got Cyborg ahead on the scoreboard, but it was no by no means uh, easy match okay. the first time around. Right. Well, Cyborg that, was 2-0 no against him going into it because he beat him in Vegas too. Yeah. So everybody's sort of thinking uh, uh, that it's going to be an easy he's gonna be He's going to beat him again. Yeah. Cyborg was the guy people were picking to win this. Huge win for Victor Hugo. Tapping yeah. Cyborg in the absolute yeah. final. You were with Cyborg for like basically the whole day, right? Yeah, the whole day. You were yeah. trailing him. Uh, so... What do you guys think, Ricardo? You're going to have to leave probably soon. What do you think about this knee bar set up by, by Victor Hugo? And did you ever find out if it was the quickest submission or not? Did you ever find out what you were looking for? I didn't find out, but I think it may have been the fastest submission in an absolute final in the Nogi IBJJF World Championship. Can't believe I said that whole sentence, but I think it was one of the fastest submissions. I, I think the thing is with Victor Hugo, he's – um, I, like we saw it at ADCC. Even though he didn't do so well at ADCC – Go watch his matches. He had some really slick setups that I didn't see a lot of other competitors doing. From Delahiva, that little shin trap elevation. I was like, damn, no one else is doing that stuff here. And and I think it was just a matter of time and just developing confidence in the new, new belt division, studying his opponents and learning what they're good at. And I think it was just a matter of time before he could figure out the riddle that is defeating Roberto Cyborg Abreu. And on that note, guys, I got to peace out. I'm sorry. Sorry, next week uh, we won't be back. I'll see you guys in the new year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to all. Until next time. All right, love you, Ricardo. Ricardo. Merry Christmas to you and your family out there. Peace. All right. Now we're back down to two screens. Mm -hmm. Chase, perfect. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Kick it off to you. (laughs) Yeah, Ricardo's finally gone. Mm -hmm. Uh Chase, Loud kick it over. Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kick it over to you. What do you think about uh, Victor Hugo, man? Big win for him. Tapping side, like, not even just winning it, but tapping Cyborg, tapping a legend in the Open Class Final. Well, you got to uh, hand it to him, man. You know, he didn't get down on himself after a couple close losses to him. Even the first time around at the GP, Cyborg kind of ran up the score on him, but, you know, he, he never dominated him too badly positionally. Victor was always able to get back to guard and stuff like that. So if Victor to make the real-time adjustments to, to figure out a game plan <laughs> – that he, uh, you know, executed flawlessly in, in the absolute final. There really shows some high-level strategy and uh, will to win. You know, those things will, will go a long way when paired together. So I think we'll see a lot more big things from Victor Hugo. It's not even uh, a full year hit for him at Black Belt. He was just promoted after the 2019 World Championships there, yeah. and uh, it's a huge feather in his cap getting that win. He's also holds a win, I believe, over Joao Gabriel Hosha and Ricardo Evangelista. So Victor Hugo already making a pretty big name for himself at the Black Belt Division, and uh, someone you should definitely keep an eye on as he'll be tearing it up all season long next year. Yeah, I think going into the Gi season, he's somebody that you can count on and do some big things because uh, the big names, I mean, Ultra Heavy's sort of thin, and the big names tend to just sort of show up for Worlds, right? Joao Gabriel Hosha, mm-hmm. Buchecha, I mean, he's probably not going to have those marquee matchups until the world championships. And he's a monster, man. He's just going to get better and better. We saw what Kynan did last year in his first year at Black Belt. I mean, that's right. Great point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys are coming on quick They're I mean, Victor Hugo's another young guy. He's like 21 years old or something. Uh, what do you, you were, so you were right in the middle of all that. You had the, the coaches mic'd up and everything. What was it like yeah. over there for that open class final? Oh man. Um, yeah. I mean, Cyborg had gone through, you know, Victor twice before. So I, you know, I kind of had a lot of uh, confidence in Cyborg and then it was like the submission came so quick. Um, got it pulled up right here, but you know, Victor just did a great job securing this knee bar and, um, you know, yeah, I got to tap, but on the way to there, you know, Cyborg was going through, yeah, James Popolo, he went through Devante, um, 
you know, and it, it just seemed like every match that, you know, Cyborg had, he was just kind of plowing through guys. So, um, but still, you know, he got a six Nogi world title. Um, it's too bad that he didn't get the, uh, the absolute, but I'm excited to see the rematch between these two guys. Yeah. I mean, if it happens, I mean, uh, Cyborg might've hurt his knee there. He said he's got to have open heart surgery. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, how much longer do we have of Cyborg competing? I'm, yeah. I mean, he turns 39 years old this week. Yeah. You know, you're having open heart surgery and, you know, good for him. He's been, he's been putting it off for a long time and it's something that he wants to address. And, uh, how do but, you even go, compete and win Nogi Worlds when you need to have heart surgery? I don't even understand, man. It sounds rough. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about being a cyborg, my friend. You are built, <laughs> yeah, you are built up. He was going to come back stronger from open heart surgery. Yeah, yeah just a little true. Mean, He's going to come back with a better heart. Yeah. Yeah. Are you yeah. an improved no. heart? Yeah. <laughs> he was he talking to me heart. about. Uh, he was talking to me about all the times in the past that you know he's had matches where it you know it's fired up during competition. You know, I think one of the most notable was his uh, super fight with Andre Galvao at ADCC. You know, we it was a great matchup, and, you know, you just kind of see it. It's not, you know, Cyborg's normally out there, you know, suplexing people and getting after it, and he was just kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it wasn't him. So hopefully uh, he can return to competition after the surgery. All right, let's get to the ladies. Uh, first one, rooster weight division, no surprise. I mean, Maisa. Two girls, she had one match. I mean, Maisa, heavy favorite there. We all thought she was going to roll. She did. Uh, cut off her uh, famous long hair. She has hair, like, down to her waist normally. It's like shoulder length now. She cut it uh, herself to make weight, which was pretty interesting, Mikey Musumeci style. I was trying to get her to go all the way and shave her head like Mikey, but she wasn't <laughs> having it. But uh, another another Nogi world title for Maisa. I mean, nobody seems to be challenging her at Roosterweight anytime soon. I mean, maybe when Jessica Khan gets up there in a year or two, but... Yeah, she's just going to keep rolling. And uh, we go to – what do you think about that one, Chase, about Maisa? I mean, it was just pretty standard, right? Okay, Maisa's at Rooster Way. She's going to stop. Yeah, you know, it's one match. I, I will say uh, I think she might have lost a Brasileiros to somebody. So there's people yeah. out there. That, that was up at Light Feather. That was, that was up at Light Feather, actually, That's because she – did go up a division. Yeah. That's right. She's, she's so small. Uh, going up to Light Feather has got to be tough. But I, mean, I guess she – I mean – Maybe they didn't bump up the weight for Roosterway because she's like the tiniest person I've ever seen. Yeah, she, it's she hard had to imagine. <laughs> she had trouble it. making the weight. She had to cut her hair to make the weight. <laughs> but uh, hats off to my face. I mean, she, she is an um, incredible tactician. You know, uh, technique is flawless. I've even gotten to roll with Misa once before, and there's no way to pass the guard. There's no there's no space. There's nothing yeah. there. It's just just a guard. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, she's amazing to watch. I, I really have a great time. She's got great jiu-jitsu. And she's a you know a, a finisher's mindset as well. She's always trying to get on the back and, and yeah. get that RNC. Unity so. style, uh, Baron Bolo smash passing, just like Talos and just like a lot of these guys. Uh, she did have a nice little smash pass sequence, I think. She even like locked her hands together and was like really trying to, to grind it down. So it's, Dude, it's fun to brutal. watch. Her half guard yeah. passing in Nogi is brutal. I mean, she's just mm-hmm. out there torturing people. But uh, <laughs> up next, Light Featherweight. Uh the artist formerly known as Amanda Montero, now Amanda Canudo, goes out there, <laughs> goes out there and gets a uh, world submission title. win. Yeah. yeah, submission win in the final there over uh, Patricia Machado. So that was nice to see. I think it was an arm triangle, if I'm remembering correctly. So Amanda Canudo, um, a gi and no gi world champion at this point. Yeah, a very young career. Yeah, yeah, we got a bunch of power couples in jiu-jitsu now. Yeah, that's, uh, we got to uh, maybe start having tag team matches with these people. Yeah. What do you think? What we should do is put <laughs> twin versus married couples and just see what happens. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, we have a, uh, a question here. And um, 
Vinicius wants to know, you know, how we feel about uh, Roberto becoming a black belt and how he's going. Oh, man. Super excited. How could you yeah. not be? You know, yeah. um, we're going to see. It's going to be tough up, up there at heavyweight. Uh, I think there'll be a little bit of a learning curve, just like there is with everybody. I mean, Mary Gali, Kine, and these guys all took some bad losses in their first year at Black Belt. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, but Roberto can catch anybody. He can roll to the back and choke anybody. We've seen that. Yeah. Were you guys surprised by the Roosevelt match, or did you know going into that that Roberto would get the best of Roosevelt? He tapped him at Nogi Pan, so I wasn't surprised. But I wouldn't have been surprised if Roosevelt beat him up either. That's a, yeah. That's sort of how it goes with, with Roberto. He either taps somebody or gets beat up. So he really puts it on the line out there. Yeah. But the women. Up next was Featherweight, Talita, Honey Badger, running wild in there. She looked great. Talita. Yeah, the opening match against Karen Antunes was super impressive, right? Yeah. Um, ran through Karen. I, Karen was actually my pick to win. So I was, I was pretty amazed by that. Wasn't a bad pick. I mean, Karen's a former Nogi World champ. Uh, Talita's uh, someone who's had. A, Sort of a down year by her standards. She, uh, well, she took two bad DQs. She got DQ'd at the Brasileiro for, like, changing her clothes or changing her rash guard or something after weighing in. And then she gets uh, DQ'd at Worlds for, they, they wrote she was fleeing the mat in that Omoplata from Tammy, right? Mm. So she's she hasn't had that great of a year. Uh, then she comes out here. She looks sharp, man. She looked better than she has all year. She looked top-level Toledo. Uh, really aggressive against Karen, and then in the final, uh, she had who? Who was she having in the final? Heather Raftery. Heather, yeah, that's another uh, Nogi stud, and she looked really sharp there. I mean, she was really tenacious both times. I saw a stand up from Heather and Karen, and she did the same takedown to Matt return them. And Toledo was just looking sharp. Her technique, I mean, she was aggressive as always, but her technique, she kept her head in the game. She didn't make any mistakes. Nothing like getting DQ or getting a penalty for dancing against Amanda at Worlds. You know, she she didn't she didn't slip up, and she just focused on the competing, was really aggressive, and played her game. And I was I was happy for her to finish the year like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out to Heather Raftery, who also had a really strong event uh, in the featherweight division and the absolute division. Uh, I think she she secured submissions in both. She had a nice knee bar over Gabriella Fetchter and the featherweight, and uh, I forget the woman's name who she submitted in the absolute, but. That's a, that's a big deal for Heather to get the silver medal and to to do it in style. So shout out to her. Yeah, I mean Heather's. I she's had some great Nogi uh, Worlds performances. She tapped Nicolini that year with the knee bar. Uh, oh yeah, Gabby Fetcher took third in that division too. So I guess Heather Heather would be Gabby Fetcher or Gabby Fletcher as Ricardo calls her. Uh, <laughs> so moving on to the next weight class, lightweight Natalie Hibero uh, wins Nogi Worlds. Beats tough Jenna Bishop in the final. Uh, yeah, this was a good one. Uh, do you remember how this match went down? I don't remember the Jenna and Natalie Ribeiro match too much. I was interviewing Talita during it. So it's super close. Um, I believe I believe uh, Natalie won by advantage. Uh, really smart strategy. She she pulled guard early. The first five minutes of the match was her pulling guard. She had a really um, she looked really comfortable playing just an open guard. While Jenna tried to pass mostly from the feet. Um, wasn't able to really get anywhere. I think she even wrestled up from the, the guard to get that advantage, where she came up and grabbed like a single leg and uh, got some points that way, or advantage points, I should say. And then the second half of the match, uh, she was really actually testing out her wrestling, which I thought, you know, looking at it from the outside, was a risky move. Jenna's got good wrestling, also yeah. had a full ADCC camp, uh, and it, it was closer. You know, I, I would say uh, Jenna was never very close to passing the guard, but she was very close on some takedown entries, 
on some scrambles. But uh, uh, Natalie looked really great, you know, and um, she I won believe, that match. I believe so. I just saw five advantages on the board for mm-hmm. Natalie at the end. So she was maybe. Yeah, it looked like at, at the end she was winning big on advantages, but also fighting off a single leg from Jenna. So that could that could one went down to the wire. It but, really uh, did. It was a fun match. Yeah, maybe I missed a couple of matches, uh, but overall, strong showing from her. Really, really strong showing, and I was really impressed with her stand-up game, given the fact that Jenna is so good there. So, yeah, uh, middleweight Raquel Canudo. Uh, this was a tough weight class. I think a lot of people were picking Gabby McComb to win it. Gabby McComb got uh, ankle locked by Jacqu- Jacqueline. Uh, I don't know if she goes by Marais, Amarim, or Ramos. She has three different last names. I'll call her uh, uh, Ramos. I don't know Jacqueline Ramos. From Checkmat, they didn't close out in the final, but a big win for this girl Jacqueline by tapping Gabby McCone, who is a lot of people's favorite. But Raquel goes out and wins her second Nogi World's title in a dominant fashion. I saw her get some guard passes and stuff there from what I saw. And uh, Raquel's another one who was talking about, you know, she's been an up and down year for her, and she got really emotional about uh, winning Nogi Worlds. So, I mean, now two-time Nogi World champion for Raquel. What do you think about the final there, Chase? Oh, yeah, it's a strong showing from Raquel. You know, um, she never really deviated from the game plan. She's got really, really savvy takedowns, uh, really good mat returns where a girl might be trying to flee the mat, and uh, she's able to spin around the momentum, turn them back inside, get the points instead of maybe getting an advantage because uh, you never really know how that's going to work out. So strong showing from Raquel. She looked great all weekend long. Uh, really a, aggressive fighter, you know, just like Hanato, her, her husband and fellow Nogi world champion. Um they just really have a a strong game plan. You can tell that they made um, strategy before the event started, and she stuck to it the whole weekend. So good for her. Actually, going back to lightweight, who beat Kaká? Who beat Catherine Peretta lightweight? Because that's somebody that – I don't think she competed. Okay, she didn't – I remember she was in the bracket. Yeah. Okay, she didn't compete. All right, medium heavy. Four-girl bracket, but they were all studs. And I'll be honest with you, Vader Toscano won uh, Nogi Worlds in her first attempt at Black Belt. But looking at these four girls, they're all good. I would have probably seeded Veda fourth. I would not have thought she would have won this bracket. She uh, goes out. She beats Tamara first round. Tamara Ferreira, very good competitor from uh, Cicero Costa. And then beats Julia Basher in the finals. Julia took out uh, Andressa Sintra in the uh, in her semi. That, no, Black Belt World That Champion. was a controversial match, though, actually. Sintra yeah, was DQ'd. Yeah, what what was controversial there? Because I, I didn't see the DQ, but I just saw Andressa and Lucas Valente talking to the like the referees for like two hours afterwards about it. What happened? So if I remember correctly, uh, Sincher is playing fifty fifty legs on the outside. You know, no no reaping scenario at all. But Julia spun away from the fifty fifty position to avoid an ankle lock, and as she was spinning, Sintra rolled with the momentum. She didn't even go all the way over, but they DQ'd her for rolling the wrong way on an ankle lock. Now, if you watch the video, it seems like that uh, she was strictly following Bosher's momentum, which I believe is legal. I believe it. if they yeah. turn, you're Absolutely, allowed yeah. to follow. But um, they, the referee did not see it that way and said that she went inward on the ankle lock and DQ'd her. Sintra was very upset, didn't leave the mat for almost you know six, seven minutes. Uh, and then, of course, they were petitioning that I would have to review the call. But I don't think I've ever seen something get reversed that long after the match is over. And, uh, you know, she was DQ from the event. You know where in the match that was? Uh, before uh, the yeah. end of it, I suppose. The, that, <laughs> that was the Sintra match. This is the Bosch. This, you're on the Bosch or Invader match. It's a different match. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I don't worry. Uh, oh, yeah, you're don't, the... yeah, I don't worry about pulling up the, the DQ. If it's all right. And then, yeah, so Veda, huge win for her. I mean, 
another new black belt. I mean, mm-hmm. the sort of the story of the Snow Gear Worlds was uh, new black belts, yeah. first year black belts showing up and and really running the show. A lot of a lot of first time black uh, Nogi World champions. Invade is another one who just a few months ago was a brown belt. Mm-hmm. Now she's a black belt world champ, Nogi World champ. So yeah, uh, beat a very tenacious Julia Bosher in the final. Julia's you know very strong, very aggressive, very scrappy. But Vader uh, was able to withstand it and come out on top. Talita Noguera wins heavyweight. I think a lot of people saw that coming. That weight class was a little thin. That weight class, uh, in Nogi at least, is not as tough as it is in the Gi when you get, uh, you know, Nacieli and some of these other girls in the mix. Uh, so Talita won. How'd, how'd she go in that final? Chase? It was a, a rough final, um, if I have to be completely honest. The Elizabeth Foster, the, the girl that she was facing, was really, really committed to, like, uh, inverting and, like, going on a leg. And so she spent half the match basically on her own head with her butt in Toledo's face. And uh, Toledo was really, really stable, had a great base, and wasn't letting her drag the leg up, you know, into into any entanglements. And so it, was, it wasn't necessarily a bad strategy from Foster because if she had gotten the leg, she would have, it seemed like, been in her A game. But she never really was able to mount any offense. And uh, she basically just got smashed at one point. Like, uh, Toledo put her in, like, um... Do you guys know what I'm talking about when I say the unfair 50-50? Where, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, she, 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 she has it over where she's almost like going to a leg drag position. Exactly. exactly. Yeah, yeah. That that was a great part of the match as well. Kind of almost had a, an arm triangle there. It looked really uncomfortable. So Trator never really um, – or sorry, not Trator. Treta uh, never really scored but also was never in any danger. So kind of a, a, a tedious final if we're being completely honest. But that's how you have to play it sometimes. You know, if you, if you open up. Uh, when those leg entanglements are, are being hunted, you can really put yourself in a, a tough tough spot, so you have to play conservative. Okay, Super Heavy was pretty uneventful. Three Gracie Baja girls ended up with Kendall and Jessica Flowers. Kendall Rusing and Jessica Flowers closing out. Uh, but the open class, they closed out the open class as well. Uh, I think, to me, the big story of the open class was Kendall Rusing. Kendall Rusing looks really strong out there in her first. Technically, she took second in the open class uh, to her teammate Jessica. But she looked really strong out there in her first uh, Nogi Worlds at Black, but her wrestling was the story there. I mean, she went against Raquel Canudo. She took down Raquel Canudo, Nogi World champ, two times, beats her. She goes against uh, Julia Bosher. She takes down – no, she she got a hook really late in the match. She shot in. Bosher defended. She got – Kendall gets the hook to get an advantage and win at the end. Basically won it off a takedown scramble as well. And then she fights Gabby McComb in the semis. Gabby McComb, obviously a beast. They're going toe-to-toe takedowns. And Kendall, again, another late takedown. Really used wrestling to sort of flatten Gabby out with a half Nelson to stick her and finally secure the, the two points there. But, yeah, Kendall's wrestling on the way to the uh, to the finals really impressed me. And, I mean, if girls are going to try and stand up and wrestle with her like that, I think she's going to have a lot of success. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's another girl looking forward for ADCC that could be a lot of problems for people. I think that over 60 division ADCC with, like, Clay, Kendall, Maggie coming up is going to be really competitive yeah, in the coming years. Man. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the open class, Chase? Yeah, I mean, everything you said right there uh, definitely shines true. I did see that match with uh, Julia Brocher and, and Kendall. And Julia, uh, it, it was a tied match, I believe. Maybe either tied up on advantages or penalties or whatever. It was very yeah. close. And uh, Kendall sec- secured that that advantage at the very last exchange in the match. I mean, it was 10 seconds left. Um, shows a lot of grit, a lot of heart. 
And something you want to see out of a, a rookie competitor now. She's very hungry. Um, I will say also that Jessica Flowers um, from Gracie Baja, who, who closed out with Kendall, was the only competitor in the black belt ranks to have three submission wins, um, including weight and absolute. Yeah, there was no ma- man who three, did that. Three matches, and she went three for three on submissions, right? Yeah, exactly. So shout out to Jessica Flowers for being the, the wrecking ball that she is and taking everybody out. Um, but fun, 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 open class for sure. And like I said uh, a bit earlier in the show, Heather Raftery uh, got a submission win over, I believe, a super heavy athlete. So not bad for a featherweight. Yeah, Heather Raftery's a submission machine. I saw after her match with uh, Gabby Fester, Gabby Fester was limping off. So Heather's got some great uh, leg locks. So there we go. There's your uh, female open class champs closed out. Jessica Flowers takes the, takes the title. For the male, Victor Hugo, of course, won by knee bar in dramatic fashion. So. This will be our last show for a couple weeks. We're going to take the holidays off. I think we're going to talk about coming back on January 2nd on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at that point, it's going to be geese season time. We're going to get back into it, start start previewing the geese season. I want to get in-depth into all these divisions, what we think is going to happen, how we think the new black belts are going to be going. So if you're like me and you enjoyed all this no-gi action for the last several months, but you just can't wait for the geese season to start, I'm just, I've had enough of the no-gi season. I can't wait for something new and fresh. Talk about the gi tournaments. Get out there to Euros and and have some gi stuff going on. I'm sure you're excited. It's a beautiful for it thing, Michael. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. I'm very excited. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna really nerd out in January on on all that stuff coming up with uh, previewing the season and everything. I'll, I promise by by the time you see me in 2020, I'll have the ranking situation. I got to go through Instagram and see everybody that got promoted in the last week and fix all that. And also our event. Be on the lookout for a ton of content for the Who's Number One event coming up February 8th. Buy tickets, flowgrapplingticks.tix.com. This week we should have some black belt super fights announced. All the all the color belt matches are announced and on the site. And uh, Ryan, what are your plans for the holidays? Man, I'm going back home, seeing some family, Where's going home? to do some training. Uh, going Charlotte. back to my house? Oh, Charlotte, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <my house>. <laughs> Chase, obviously living it up out there in Costa Mesa. Are you going to get some training in an AOJ out there? I am. So uh, I think maybe tomorrow I was talking to, to my friend here, Zach Naminski, AOJ Black Belt. He's inviting me to the 8 a.m. session. I'm like, why are you guys doing this to me? I, I can't say no, but the, I'm not I'm not the 8 a.m. guy. That's not the, my style. Their 9 a.m. was pretty chill. I filmed it the other day. There's some Masters guys in there. I could I could vibe with that 9 a.m. class. He's playing some easy listening music. Yeah. Just watch out for uh, Colabate, a little savage in there oh, beating yeah. people up. But, yep, uh, yep. Yeah, Cole's but that's dad. Cole's dad's times pretty and, good uh, too. Yeah, I was uh, watching Cole's dad. He's got a good lasso guard. But uh, good to know. Good. To, I'll be ducking yeah. them all. You know, yeah. it, it's you know, it's not the it's not the black belts that hurt me. It's the green belts where it's like, oh my god, this green belt is just gonna take my soul, and it, it hurts so much more. At the end some of the orange day. belts in there that probably <laughs> beat me up. But all right, enjoy yeah, your holidays, Chase. Enjoy your holidays, Ryan, Ricardo's in Canada where they don't have holidays, so he doesn't get to enjoy anything. Uh, <laughs> All right, see you guys in 2020. Thank you very much for everything, and go buy tickets to the show, flowgrapplingticks.com. Thanks.